Good morning, Mosaic. If we haven't met before, my name is Bill, and I'm one of the pastors here at the church. So Aaron, he primed us with that question, what do you struggle with? Uh, For me, I hate the cold. I was the one booing in the back. Boo. The cold is the worst. There's only, there's only two good things about the winter. One is I actually do like snow. I like sledding. And the other thing is uh, Christmas. Anyone know how many days till Christmas? 21. 21. Yeah. Christmas lovers in the house. Right? 21 days till Christmas. Oh, I love Christmas. But I struggle with the cold. Uh, many of you guys know I struggle with cheeseburgers as well. Right? Cheeseburgers. <laughs> especially double cheeseburgers from McDonald's. Uh, During Husker season, my favorite day of the week is Sunday, mostly because they do buy one free, uh, buy one get one free Big Macs. If the Huskers get a sack, so I'm like, okay, church and then McDonald's for two Big Macs, right? It's a struggle, okay? It's a struggle. Uh, I also, if I'm a moment of vulnerability here, I struggle sometimes uh, with being a pastor. And so, uh, Many of you guys know I worked at Whole Foods for two years when I first moved to Lincoln, uh, and I loved working there. And just this past Friday, I got to I, I went back there and I got to visit with a lot of my old coworkers and stuff. I don't go there enough, and so every time I go there, I end up staying for like two hours because I talk to so many people. Um, but it was really interesting because when I decided to leave Whole Foods to take this job, uh, people started treating me very differently. It was almost like I had the flu. Like people like avoided me and they didn't want to be around me uh, because there's a lot of assumptions about people who are in ministry. Uh, and so I'm, I'm talking to one of my friends at Whole Foods on Friday and we're catching up. And when I was there, we, we weren't close friends. But we were like every time we're in the break room and he's just one of those guys, really easy to talk to, really funny. And we were just talking and bantering and going back and forth. And he's talking and all of a sudden he says the F word. And he says the F word and all of a sudden he goes, <gasps> And he goes, oh my goodness, I am so, so sorry. It's like, what am I, like 10 years old? You know, it's like, no, don't say that word, right? But, I, but that's the struggle, right? That's the struggle. And I even said, I was like, I was like don't insult me. Don't insult me. Like, like, just be real. Just be real. Because if we're honest, we all do that in a sense, because we feel like we got to put on our suit and tie for God. We feel like we got to we feel like we got to present ourselves very perfectly. We feel like we got to present ourselves in a way uh, that isn't really who we are. And I think many times uh, American Christianity, whether it's been passively aggressively said or even very bluntly stated is we don't always have the freedom to struggle. We don't always feel like we're able to be vulnerable and to struggle. And so really the, the, the question that I want in the back of our minds today as we explore our next Hebrew word is, is it, is it okay to struggle with God? Is it okay to struggle with God? Because let's be honest, there's things going on in the world today that cause you to question God. Why, God, is this happening? Uh, there's been things done to you in your life that have caused you to question God God, are you truly loving if you allowed these things to happen? And so I want us, as we explore this next Hebrew word today, is to keep that in our minds and on our hearts is, is it okay to struggle? 
And in order to find out the answer to that question, we need to look at our next Hebrew word. And our next Hebrew word that we're going to talk about today is the word Israel, uh, or in Hebrew, Yisrael. So what does this word mean? What does it mean uh, to the Israelite people? What is the significance to it? And that's really what we're going to explore today. Uh, and I want to do things a little bit differently today because I want, I want, to, I want to tell us the story of how uh, the Israelites got this name. Because it's recorded in the scriptures how they came to, to have this name, that they are the Israelites. They are the nation of Israel. Uh, and so what I want us to do is really just kind of go through this story. And it's the story of this man named Jacob. And so if you have a copy of the scriptures, we're going to be really diving into the story today. Genesis chapter 25. It should be up on the screens for you guys as we read it today. But I just want to really read through it. Uh, and, and as we're reading through it, uh, the second question I want you guys to keep on the back of your minds is, what is God revealing about his character through this story? About who he is and how he deals with people who are struggling. All right, Genesis chapter 25, starting in verse 19, it says, This is the account of the family line of Abraham's son Isaac. Abraham's son Isaac. Can you guys go, I think it's the next slide or the one after? It kind of, yeah. So uh, in our Genesis series, we talked about this man, Abraham. So Genesis 12 hits and God talks to this man, Abraham, and he gives him this promise. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I will bless you and that all people on earth will be blessed through you. So God gave this man this promise that he's going to have descendants and that those descendants are going to be a blessing to the world. And so Abraham has this son, Isaac, and then the story we're going to be reading is about Isaac's two sons, Jacob and Esau. All right, we can jump back. So Abraham became the father of Isaac. Isaac was 40 years old when he married Rebekah, daughter of Bethuel, the Aramean from Pedam Aram, and sister of Laban, the Aramean. It says, Isaac prayed to the Lord on behalf of his wife because she was childless. The Lord answered his prayer, and his wife, Rebekah, became pregnant. Um, I think sometimes we gloss over that, those of us who haven't struggled with infertility. Uh, just the significance to that, that the, this couple was childless. And the reaction was, let's go to God. Like, they're struggling with this. We're childless. And now let's bring this to God. And then it says, uh, the Lord answered his prayer and his wife became pregnant. And the second thing that's easy to gloss over is it says that Isaac was 40 years old when he got married. And if you actually jump down to verse 29, I think it is, it says that he was 60 years old when Rebecca finally became pregnant. So this prayer that they had prayed, it took 20 years to get answered. Uh, which is significant, and it's very easy to gloss over that. And then it says, the babies jostled each other from within her, and she said, why is this happening to me? Have you ever prayed for something, and God answers it, and then you ask, why, God? Uh, I'm, I'm sure I've done that before. I'm sure I've done that many times. Um, and then it says, so she went to inquire of the Lord, and the Lord said to her, two nations are in your womb. And two peoples from within you will be separated. One people will be stronger than the other. And this one is significant. The older will serve the younger. The older will serve the younger. Now this is significant because in this culture, right, the, the oldest child would receive a double inheritance. 
And so the oldest child, when the land was split up, he would get double, twice as much as all of his other siblings. And he is the, the oldest will be the head of the household and the head of the family, the head of the business he will take over. So to say that the younger will serve the older is extremely significant for us here. And it really ties into the rest of the story today. Um, but I think, yeah, so then it says, when time came for her to give birth, there were twin boys in her womb. The first to come out was red and his whole body was like a hairy garment so they named him Esau. Any Esau's in the room? Be honest. Right? After this, his brother came out with his hand grasping Esau's heel. So his name was Jacob. Isaac was 60 years old when Rebekah gave birth. Jacob. And so I purposely left that little E next to it because if you have a copy of the scriptures, in most Bibles, it'll have an asterisk or have a letter next to the name Jacob. Uh, And that's because the name Jacob has significant meaning to it. That name Jacob uh, means heel grabber. Uh, Jacob means heel grabber. And so Jacob, he's living in the shadow of his brother. From day one, he's jostling for power with his brother. From day one, he's fighting for this power. And then even on birth, he's grasping for Esau's heel to try to get ahead of him in life. Have you ever felt like you were living in someone else's shadow? Or have you ever felt like life just kind of threw the wrong odds at you, that you got a bad lot in life? This is the story of Jacob, right? Jacob is fighting to get ahead of his brother. Jacob's fighting. Uh, Jacob is the heel grabber, living in his brother's shadow, But what's interesting about this story is that there's this promise over these kids. And what did we talk about the promise was? The promise was that the older will serve the younger. See, what's interesting about this story is Jacob is fighting for something that he already has. He has this promise over his life. And he's fighting for something that he already has. And I wonder how many of us in this room are fighting for something that we already have. Story goes on. So the boys grow up, right? And Esau became a skilled hunter. I guess all hairy men are skilled hunters, right? (laughs) A man of the open country, while Jacob was content to stay at home among the tents. Isaac, who had a taste for wild game, loved Esau, but Rebekah loved Jacob. Once when Jacob was cooking some stew, Esau came in from the open country famished. He said to Jacob, quick, Let me have some of that red stew. I'm famished. Jacob replied, first, sell me your birthright. Look, I'm about to die, Esau says. What good is a birthright to me? And now the birthright is that double inheritance. So like, what we have to understand is Isaac is very wealthy. We don't always get that from this scripture, but, but if you really study the culture carefully, Abraham was a very wealthy man and Isaac was a very wealthy man. Because what they had, they were basically like a roaming herdsman. So they have tons of livestock, lots and lots of employees, right? And so a double inheritance is a huge portion of money and wealth. And so in this moment, Jacob is saying for this bowl of stew, sell me your, give me your double inheritance. 
Then Jacob gave Esau some bread and some lentil stew. He ate and drank. Then he got up and left. So Esau despised or gave up his birthright. Jacob's kind of a punk, isn't he? All little brothers are punks. That's the moral of the story. That's what I got out of it anyways, right? Growing up, my little brother, he, man, he's seven years younger than me. But what he used to do is he would uh, buy candy, candy bars from Sam's Club, and he would, he would sell them on the bus every day on the way to school. He was a little hustler, right? And he would never, ever, ever give me a candy bar. He would always charge me for it. I'm like, come on, Kevin, just give me a candy bar. He never did. Little brothers, the worst. But Jacob, in this moment, he's earning his name as deceiver, right? He's earning his name that he is deceiver. He is the heel grabber. He's constantly living in the shadow of his brother, and he's trying to get ahead in life. He's trying to get wealth here. That's what we have to understand is that his desire deep down inside is for wealth, and that's what he wants. And he'll do anything to trick his brother in order to get wealth from him. And see, once again, like what we have to understand is Jacob is trying to get something that he already has. He's trying to, he's trying to do it all himself. He's trying to get ahead as quickly as possible. And I wonder for us in this room, like how often do we do that in our lives? That we jump too quickly into something when we're not ready for it yet. Maybe that's a relationship. Maybe it's a relationship that you jumped into way too quickly. Maybe you dropped out of school uh, to, to take an easy job. Maybe there's been this dream in your heart and in your life, uh, but you gave it up for practicality. I wonder for us, like, how often we actually do that? How often we end up being a lot like Jacob? So then it says, when Isaac was old and his eyes were weak that he could no longer see, he called for Esau, his older son, and said to him, my son, here I am, he answered. Isaac said, I'm now an old man and I don't know the day of my death. Now then, get your equipment, your quiver, and your bow, and go out to the open country to hunt some wild game for me. Prepare me the kind of tasty food I like and bring it to me to eat so that I may give you my blessing before I die. Now, Rebekah was listening as Isaac spoke to his son Esau. When Esau left for the open country to hunt game and bring it back, Rebekah said to her son Jacob, Look, I overheard your your father say to your brother Esau, Bring me some game and prepare me some tasty food to eat that I may give you my blessing in the presence of the Lord before I die. Now, my son, listen carefully and do what I tell you. Go out to the flock and bring me two choice young goats so I can prepare some tasty food for your father just the way he likes it. Then take it to your father and eat so that he may give you his blessing before he dies. And see, this blessing is significant because Jacob has already stolen the birthright from his brother, which is that double inheritance. And the blessing is really, it's a blessing of, uh, of power. So it's that blessing that uh, Abraham blessed Isaac with. And now what Jacob is after is that blessing, that initial blessing to Abraham. And really what it is, it, it, is he's after this blessing to be the head of Isaac's household, which rightfully is Esau's. But Jacob is saying, I want that. I want to be in control. That when my father dies, like basically it's like I'm in charge of the business now. So what we have to understand is Jacob, he's after power here. Um, he's after the blessing that really belongs to Esau. And I, I think sometimes when we read this story, I, I know anyways for me when I've read it in the past, uh, I've always kind of seen Jacob or Esau as a villain 
and Jacob as a hero, uh, but he's not. Like, Jacob is a shady, shady man, right? We have to understand that Jacob is not a hero here. Jacob is, he's a deceiver. Jacob is a heel grabber. We have to see that as we read this story. And then it goes on to say, Jacob said to Rebekah, his mother, but my brother Esau is a hairy man while I have smooth skin. (laughs) Oh man, so funny. What if my father touches me? I would appear to be tricking him and he would bring down a curse on myself rather than a blessing. His mother said to him, my son, let the curse fall on me. Just do what I say. Go and get them for me. So he went and got them and brought them to his mother. And she prepared some tasty food just the way his father liked. Then Rebekah took the best clothes of Esau, her older son, which she had in the house, and put them on her younger son, Jacob. She also covered his hands and the smooth part of his neck with, with goat skins. Then she handed to her son, Jacob, the tasty food and the bread she had made. He went to his father and said, My father, yes, my son, who is it? Jacob said to his father, I am Esau, your firstborn. So Jacob, he's in this downward spiral of his life. He doesn't know who he is. And now he's, this is the moment where he's truly just hit rock bottom and he has no idea who he is or who his identity is. I lost my spot. All right. He went to his father and said, My father, yes, my son, he answered. Who is it? Jacob said, I'm Esau, your firstborn. I have done as you told me. Please sit up and eat some of my game so that you may give me your blessing. Isaac asked his son, How did you find it so quickly, my son? The Lord gave me success, he replied. The Lord gave me success. Now what's significant there is not everything that sounds spiritual is. Not everything that sounds spiritual is, especially when it comes from the mouths of deceivers. Uh, and so Jacob, or Isaac, he's a little skeptical because it goes on to say, Then Isaac said to Jacob, Come near so I can touch you, my son, to know whether you are really my son Esau or not. So Jacob went close to his father who touched him, and he said, The voice is the voice of Jacob, but the hands are the hands of Esau. He did not recognize him, for his hands were hairy like those of his brother Esau, so he proceeded to bless him. Are you really my son Esau, he asked. I am, he replied. I am. Let's skip down to verse 30. It says, After Isaac finished blessing him and Jacob had scarcely left his father's presence, his brother Esau came in from hunting. He too prepared some tasty food and brought it to his father. Then he said to him, My father, please sit up and eat some of my game so that you may give, so that you may give me your blessing. His father Isaac asked him, Who are you? I'm your son, he answered, your firstborn Esau. Isaac violently trembled and said, Who was it then that hunted game and brought it to me? I ate it just before you came in and I blessed them. And indeed, he will be blessed. When Esau heard his father's words, he burst out with a loud and bitter cry and said to his father, Bless me, me too, my father. But he said, Your brother came deceitfully and took your blessing. Esau said, Isn't it right his name is Jacob? This is the second time he's taken advantage of me. He took my birthright and now he's taken my blessing. Then he asked, haven't you reserved any blessing for me? Haven't you reserved any blessings for me? I want to speak to the dads in the house for a second. How often do we bless our sons? How often do we speak words of blessings 
over our kids because they're longing for it. They're longing for that approval from their parents, especially their dads. Think about it. How many people do you know in your life that are still living their lives trying to seek the approval of their fathers? How many people are workaholics because they want their dads to be happy with them? It's one of the most significant things that we can do as parents, specifically fathers, is to speak words of blessings over our kids so that they know it. And now in this moment, you know, something a little different is happening that we're not used to in our culture because this blessing, it's a legal contract. So in their culture, they believe that when these words are spoken into existence, they're real, they're tangible, they happen. And so that's why, that's why Isaac can't just say like, okay, I take that back. Here, you get my blessing, right? Because they're already spoken. They're real. They're true. They exist in the world. Uh, and I truly believe that with our kids, when we speak blessings over them, to them, it is real and it is tangible and it is true. But in this moment, Isaac has already passed his blessing to his son, Jacob, who deceived him. He's passed this power. He's passed this, uh, this authority over the family to his son. Uh, and isn't it right that his name is Heel Grabber? He's the deceiver. So uh, I'm going to skip ahead. So basically what ends up happening is Esau gets mad. Rightfully so, right? So Esau gets mad and he, he starts to go after Jacob. So Esau, he's the hunter, right? Jacob is the cook. Bow and arrow beats spatula any day of the week, right? So, he, so Esau goes after him, and Rebecca says, okay, go up to, uh, go to my brother Laban's house. Go to my brother Laban's house because you can get a wife up there. You're going to be good. So then Jacob goes up to Laban's house, and he's up there for 20 years, for 20 years. And then he finally makes his way back down to his family home, uh, and he sends a messenger to his brother Esau. Because it's basically like, it's been 20 years, Esau, are we still good? Right? Are we still good? And then the messenger comes back to Jacob and says, Esau's on his way with 400 men. So Jacob gets scared, right? Wouldn't you be scared? Esau's a hunter, man. He's the hairy hunter, right? Jacob, he doesn't know what to do. And so Jacob gets really, really scared. And then what ends up happening is uh, Jacob sends his people ahead of him and he leaves himself alone. And as he's alone, something significant happens that we read in Genesis chapter 32. Genesis 32. It says, that night Jacob got up and took his two wives. We'll address that in a future series. His two female servants and his 11 sons and crossed the ford of Jabbok. After he had sent them across the stream, he sent over his possessions. So Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him till daybreak. When the man saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip so that his hip was wrenched as he wrestled with the man. Then the man said, let me go, for it is daybreak. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go unless you bless me. Jacob, man, he's like all after these blessings. The man asked him, what is your name? What is your name? And so then Jacob answers, Jacob. Jacob. And for the first time, right, in a long time, Jacob is admitting who he is. 
right? The name Jacob means heel grabber. So he's saying, I'm Jacob. I'm the deceiver. I'm the heel grabber. That's who I am. Then the man said, your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you have struggled with God and with humans and have overcome. Jacob said, please tell me your name. But he replied, why do you ask my name? Then he blessed him there. So Jacob called that place Peniel, saying it is because I saw God face to face, and yet my life was spared. I saw God face to face, yet my life was spared. See, Jacob, his whole life, he's been living as heel grabber. His whole life, he's been living in the shadow of his brother trying to get ahead. He's been grabbing at heels. And for the first time, he admits, that's who I am. I'm just a heel grabber. And in that moment, his name is changed to Israel, to Yisrael. And so what does that name mean? Right? This name that he got changed to, Jacob, the heel grabber, his name changes to Israel, which means struggle. <laughs> the word Israel means struggle with God, to struggle. And so we ask ourselves that question at the beginning is, is it okay to struggle with God? Is it okay to question God at times? Is it okay to struggle, right? And God has named this man struggle. And then the Israelite people, they embrace that name, right? They're not called Abrahamites. They're not called Isaacites. They're not called Jacobites. They're called Israelites. The whole nation of Israel takes on this name of Israel, of struggle, and so we ask ourselves, man, does, does life just need to be a breeze? Does life just need to be easy? And yet this entire nation is embracing this name, struggle with God. Because if you read on in the story, Jacob or Israel, he has 12 sons. Those 12 sons go to Egypt because of a famine. They have tons of descendants in Egypt, and those end up becoming the slaves in Egypt that Moses has to deliver. So this idea of struggle is ingrained in Israelite culture Right? Because they're very few de- generations away, they end up in slavery. And then they have to struggle through the desert to finally get to the promised land. Then they have to try to take over the promised land. And it's the whole story of the Old Testament of the Bible is the story of struggle. And they finally occupy the land and then someone comes in and captures them and takes them out of the land. Right? It's this nation of embracing the struggle. And I, I don't think that we embrace the struggle as much as we should. So why? Why should we embrace the struggle? Why should we embrace this name, this Hebrew name, Yisrael? Embrace the struggle with God. And so I think firstly, it's because God is close to those who are struggling. God is close to those who are struggling. We see this in the life of Jesus. Who did Jesus spend his time with? Did he spend his time with the people that had everything together? Or did he spend time with the people who were struggling? Blessed are the rich or blessed are the poor, did he say? Blessed are the powerful, or blessed are the meek, did he say? God is close to those who are struggling. And I truly believe that when we are struggling, that's when God does his best work in us. I think also, if we truly think about it, we only struggle with the things that we care about. If we don't care about something, it's not a struggle. It's like, nope, I I don't have to deal with that. So uh, I went to Florida for Thanksgiving. My family lives in Florida, and I'm really close to my family. Uh, 
I, but also growing up in my household, we were yellers, right? We would just scream at each other all the time. We were this Irish Catholic family, tempers high all the time, yelling at each other all the time, a lot of love, a lot of fighting, a lot of hugging, a lot of kissing. Like we would just fight and make up, fight and make up. That was like the story of my childhood, right? But we were close. It bonded us. And at Thanksgiving, because of the climate in America today, the political climate especially, everyone was like, let's just keep the peace. Like, don't say anything. Like, don't bring it up. And I'm like, man, I want to bring it up. I want to fight with you guys about this, right? Like, I, I want us to battle this out. But everyone was like, no, we can't talk about it. No, we can't. No, we can't. And we kept the peace. And I remember I was driving home last Wednesday, and I felt like we lost something. Because we didn't struggle. We ignored the struggle. Like, let's just press that down. If you're feeling this, this thing come up that you need to talk about, just repress that. Just push it down. These questions you have, just push it down. Just repress it. And I feel like we lost something. Because the depth of a relationship is found in the struggle. It's not found in the good times. It's found in the tough times when you really work something out together. Think about a marriage, Right? When a marriage or relationship stops fighting, the relationship is over. Like marriage is just about struggling. It's about fighting through these issues. It's about struggling through these issues. And it's about doing it together because it creates this depth in your relationship. This depth that you have with that person that you don't have with anyone else in your life. But the thing that we really need to ask ourselves the question through, is it okay to struggle, is what are we struggling for? Are we struggling to grab heels like Jacob? Are we struggling to hold on to God? Right? Why are we struggling? Because that's the root of the question that we need to ask ourselves this morning is, what are we struggling for? Who are we struggling for? Uh, Because Jacob, in this moment, he went from grabbing heels to holding on to God. He went from grabbing uh, power and wealth to holding on to this for this blessing, right? And I think it's important for us to understand, like, just the fight to hold on sometimes, because sometimes faith can feel that way. Sometimes we feel like we're just holding on for dear life and we're just waiting for that blessing to come, and then we have to ask, what is that blessing, right? Verse 25, it says, When a man saw that he couldn't win the match, he struck Jacob's hip and knocked it out of the joint at the socket. And maybe you feel like that today. Maybe you feel like your hip is out of place and you're holding on for dear life and you're like, I'm bruised. I don't know how to get through this. And then it says, uh, Then the man said, Let's go. Let me go for it is dawn. Jacob panted. Jacob panted. He's exhausted. And maybe you today, you feel exhausted. You just feel broken. You feel exhausted. But I would just say, hold on. Hold on for that thing that you know is right. Hold on for that thing that you know that you should be wrestling for. Because a blessing is coming, but then what is the blessing? Jacob struggles. He holds on the blessing, and his blessing is a new name. He goes from being heel grabber to struggle with God. See, I truly believe that it's only when we come to God honestly, when we take off the suit and tie and we stop pretending, when we fully own who we are and what our true and deepest struggles are, 
and we say, I'm a heel grabber. I'm a deceiver. It's only in those moments that God can begin to work in us and that God can give us a new name. So God is not afraid of your junk. He's not afraid of your questions. He's not afraid of your struggle. And my challenge is hold on and don't let go. But ask yourself the question today, are are you grasping for heels or are you holding on to God? Because really, you know, life, it's it's not a question of if we are going to struggle. It's a question of is it worth the struggle? Because there's many things in life that we have to ask ourselves the question, is it worth the struggle? Is it worth it? And man, I say this life that we can live, when it's connected to Jesus, it's worth the struggle. Because we're 21 days away from Christmas where we remember that God came to earth. Uh, And this is the second week of Advent. And the second week of Advent is the week of preparation. So I feel like as we prepare our hearts for Christmas, I think one of the most appropriate things we can do is be honest about who we are. That who is, like, how are you grabbing at heels? And then how can you begin to hold on to God? Because Jesus is not foreign to struggle. Jesus, the night before he was crucified, was, the scriptures say he was sweating blood in the garden of Gethsemane. He was sweating blood. And can you imagine one of his disciples coming up to him and patting him on the back and saying, it's going to be okay, Jesus. Don't worry about it. Right? He's not foreign to this life of struggle. And then he goes to the cross, which is the ultimate me too. Right? Like, Jesus, I'm struggling. And he's saying, yeah, me too. I went there for you. I did that for you. Like, I, I went to the cross for you so that you don't have to live your life grabbing heels. That you can live your life holding on to me. And we can go through this life together. And I feel like for us as a community, it's such a beautiful thing to embrace this word, Yisrael, struggle. That we can struggle together, which is the ultimate thing being the body of Christ, that we can struggle together. Because when you can struggle in community, uh, it's so much more powerful than having to go on it all alone. And the struggle is beautiful in our personal lives. It's hard to always see it that way. But when you are at your most broken, when you're struggling at your deepest level, I truly believe that that is when God does his best work in our lives. Would you pray with me? Holy Spirit, I pray that you will move in every single one of our hearts right now this morning. That you will reveal to us those areas in our lives that we are just grabbing at heels. That we are living in someone's shadow and we are just trying to get ahead. Where we're deceiving ourselves. I pray that those things come to the surface now. And God, I pray that we don't repress those, but that we allow ourselves to Feel the weight of it right now.
And Jesus, I pray that we will look to the cross where you said, I will take those struggles. I will join you in those struggles. And what I ask of you is that you wrestle with me. You hold on to me and you don't let go because the blessing is coming. The blessing is coming and the blessing is not wealth or popularity or power. That blessing is a new name. That your whole life you lived one way, but in this moment we can be given a new name. And when we forget what our name is, Jesus reminds us what our name is. So Jesus, give us that new name today. We give you our hearts, we give you everything, and we just want to hold on to you. We thank you that you went through the ultimate struggle. We thank you that you came to this earth. And we praise you that you have the power to overcome all of our struggles. That you have the power to give us peace and hope and love in the midst of the struggle. And I pray that our hearts are filled with gratitude and joy and love. Thank you, Jesus. It's in your name we pray. Amen.